Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Dread Time Stories. I'm your host, Dr. Phobia. And tonight, dear patients, our story comes from the world of Reddit No Sleep. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's tale. I am a cinema usher. We have some strange rules. I've been working as a cinema usher for three years, but by now it's become obvious to me that my cinema's rules are a bit out of the norm. Okay, that was a lie. They're batshit insane, but you can be the judge of that yourself. Just a little background before I start. My name is Sean. I'm 21 years old and I've been working at this job for three years now. There's two reasons why I ended up here and why I didn't leave after I realized how screwed up this place is. First, there's not many employers that will hire a high school dropout with a criminal record for petty theft and drug possession. I made some bad decisions early on in my life, and even though I'm on the straight and narrow now, my life has been marked forever by those unfortunate choices. The second reason is the pay. A cinema usher's job is collecting tickets, cleaning rooms between shows, and checking that every movie runs smoothly. Usually cinema ushers earn minimum wage, if they're lucky. I, on the other hand, get paid the same as the manager of any normal joint. Although, when you take into account the stuff I have to deal with every day, it becomes a lot less alluring. But none of you really care about that, now do you? You're here for the story. And trust me, I won't disappoint. So here are the rules of my cinema. Rule number one, never ever open the door to room three once the movie has started. Sounds simple, right? This rule and the time I almost broke it were the first signs I got that the cinema wasn't 100% normal. The room is clever and it'll try to trick you any way it can. You may hear something from inside You might even be addressed by someone wanting you to open it, but you should never, ever do so. The first time I almost entered room three was a mere week after I had gotten hired. I had read the rules, sure, and I had been confused by them, but I didn't question them. I needed this job, badly. Even if I had to endure some extravagant, mysterious rules to get my paycheck, then so be it. I was in the middle of cleaning up the main lobby where the entrance to the individual projection rooms were when I heard it. A thumping of something on a hard surface, and it was coming from room three. I rushed over to the door, and it was clear something was wrong inside. A thin curl of smoke was coming from underneath it, and the thumping was louder now, as if someone was hitting the door from the inside with their fist. The handle was turning, rattling in its joint, as the person on the other side tried desperately to get out. Hello? I yelled, pressing my ear to the flat surface of the door. Let us out! Help us! Came a voice from the other side. It was a woman's voice. Terror audible in every word. Underneath it, I could hear a faint whooshing sound, like a strong wind in a tunnel. It took me a second to realize what it was. Flames. There's a fire. The door's jammed. You have to let us out, the woman screamed desperately. 
The smoke coming from underneath the door was dark and acrid. I coughed as it caught in my throat. The beating of the fists from the other side resumed. Let us out! Please, let us out! I reached for the door handle, though any thought of the rules in my head was gone. There were people who needed my help. A hand reached out from behind me and grabbed my arm. I jumped in shock, twisting around. It was David, my manager. I had only talked to him at the interview for the position, where he struck me as a calm but distant man. But now, he was furious. Anger engraved every line of his face. Rule one, never forget it. There's a fire inside, David. The doors jam. We have to get them out. A fire? Oh, it's gotten clever today. David laughed to himself, trying to get the new guy, too. And then he turned serious again. There's a reason we have rules. Leave room three alone. Everything is all right in there. I could hardly believe what I was hearing. The woman from inside cried out again. She was choking on her words as smoke invaded her lungs. Please help me, Sean. I can't breathe. Let us out. David laughed again. You can hear it, David. They're gonna die, I yelled, incredulous as how he could be so heartless. Well, I wasn't gonna let people die because of him and his batshit crazy rules. I reached for the door handle. David looked me dead in the eyes. How does she know your name? I stopped short. Had I told her my name? No. I looked at the door again. No smoke. No hammering of fist. I cautiously knocked on it a few times and no one answered. David put one hand on my shoulder. You see, Sean, he said patiently, room three stays closed no matter what. In 20 minutes, the movie will end and everyone will come out unharmed. I promise. But, but I, I heard her. I, I saw the smoke. You saw what it wanted you to see. Take it from me, Sean. Room three will try everything to get you to open that door. It hasn't succeeded in 13 years, and it damn well won't succeed while I'm the manager here. I won't have that happen again. He led me away from the door gently. When the movie in room three ended 20 minutes later, a crowd of people walked out. Everyone was unharmed. I checked the room afterwards. There were no signs of fire anywhere. Rule number two. If you see a man dressed as a movie character leading children away from the lobby, notify the manager immediately. You know how a lot of cinemas hire people in costumes or suits to promote new movies? Like when a new Star Wars movie comes out and you have the guys in Stormtrooper armor walking around the building to hype people up. I hated that sort of thing even before I started working here. One of the odd jobs I took after dropping out of school was in a seedy, rundown amusement park outside of town. I had to wear a rancid, unwashed fursuit of the park's mascot for eight hours straight, six days a week. Even seeing one of those things nowadays makes me gag. Now, rule two is a bit of a mystery. I've only had to follow it once, and I'm not even sure it really happened, but it's an interesting, albeit gruesome story 
so you might enjoy it. On the day it happened, it was our premiere of Avengers Infinity War. The manager had hired several cosplayers dressed as main characters to walk around the lobby and take pictures with fans. Now, I was genuinely okay with that, despite my past experiences. The thing that made me nervous was how, before the shift began, David rounded up all the ushers and made us memorize the list of superheroes he had hired. He was absolutely adamant about it and insisted we knew them all by heart. If it was for the incident in Room 3, I would have thought he was mad, but by now I knew that everything was not as it seemed. It wasn't a long list so I can still remember it. Captain America, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Thor. Respectively, the poor guy addressed as the God of Thunder must have been devastated how fat his character got in Endgame. I knew something was up when I exited one of the projection rooms and saw a person dressed as the one and only Iron Man walking slowly down the lobby towards the garbage room. Getting closer, I could see there was something seriously wrong with him. His suit had been high quality once, but now it seemed like it was in disrepair. It was grimy and scraped, some parts even in danger of falling off. He smelled horrible, like roadkill on a hot summer day. But the worst part, there was some sort of liquid seeping from the joints of his costume. It was a sickening brown-yellow viscous, almost like drying treacle. My heart stopped as I saw behind him there was a group of children. None of them could have been more than 13 years old. They stared vacantly forward, following the fetid figure as he led them away from the crowds in a demented column. My ordeal with Room 3 had taught me all I needed to know about the rules. I rushed to the manager's office, tore inside, and yelled into David's room. Rule 2, Iron Man costume, headed towards the garbage doors, three kids in tow. There was a bang from the office as David left from his chair so fast it crashed to the ground. Shit, shit, shit. I should have known. I shouldn't have hired anyone. I shouldn't have hired anyone. Damn it, I should have known. He was rummaging around in a drawer in his desk that he had quickly unlocked. I caught a glimpse of what he was taking out before he hid it in his pockets of his trousers. A vial of some sort of clear liquid and a long, jagged knife made of what looked like bronze. He tore out of his office, stopped and grabbed me, pushing a crumpled piece of paper into my hand. Make sure no one goes into the garbage room. Do not let anyone inside. You got that? And if I don't come out in a half an hour, hit the fire alarm and evacuate the building. Then call the number on this paper. There was no time for questions. David tore out of the room, and I ran after him. As we rounded the corner, I saw that Iron Man had almost gotten the children to the garbage door. He was maybe three meters from the door, with the kids still following blindly. David tore past them and rammed open the door, and then in one clean movement he grabbed the costume thing, threw it inside, and slammed the door shut. The children twitched like puppets with their strings being jerked up and down. Then they all looked around, confused, probably not even knowing how they got there. So they did what any kid would do in that situation. They started to cry. It was 23 minutes before David left the garbage room. There were red marks on his once clean shirt and a horrible stench wafted off of him. He looked tired. Clean up in there, Sean. If you find anything strange outside of a garbage bag, don't touch it. Just come tell me. 
he stumbled off to his office. The garbage room was a wreck. The stinking dark liquid stained the floors, the walls, and even the ceiling in a couple places. In a corner, there were several plastic bags. A wet patch of some dark liquid was slowly spreading out from underneath them. Rule number three. If a man with a tattoo on his left cheek wants something from the lost and found, don't give it to him. Now, this one isn't exactly tied to a story I personally experienced, but I still have something to say about it. After the Rule 2 incident, David started treating me a little kinder. I guess he trusted me a bit more since he knew I had learned my lesson and understood that the rules weren't there for benign reasons. They were there to protect us all. I was curious about Rule 3. After some time, I summoned the courage to ask about it. So before one day shift, I walked into the office and cautiously asked about it. Uh, David? Um, sorry to bother you, but I was wondering if you could tell me a little more about Rule 3 by chance? David smiled. Curious, aren't you? Don't worry, I would be too. He began rummaging around in his desk drawer and file folders. Eventually, he handed me several yellow pages, all stapled together in the corner. Here, read this while you're on your break. Hopefully, it'll slake some of your curiosity. When my break came, I sat down in our locker rooms, and I did just that. The papers were actually several news articles stapled together. The first was 15 years old. Gruesome triple homicide. Family murdered in own home. Sole survivor tells horrifying story. The neighborhood of, censored by me, was left in shock yesterday after police found a gruesome murder scene in the house of local residents, the Prescotts. Of the family of four, there was only one survivor, 13-year-old, censored by me, Prescott, who was found bound and gagged, but otherwise unharmed, in his family's living room next to the mutilated remains of his parents and older sister. Found on the crime scene was an umbrella which the survivor claims his mother had forgotten after the family's visit to the local cinema that week. Cinema manager David, censored by me, told reporters that the umbrella had been picked up by a tattooed man the day before the murder, who claimed it was his. Police are looking into the possibility that this man was connected to the crime, but so far their search has proved unsuccessful. The next two articles were 12 and 15 years old respectively, and published by two different newspapers, but they told much the same story. A mass homicide. One mentioned an item from her lost and found being found at the crime scene, but the other didn't. But David had written underneath in pencil, the same man. What does the tattoo mean? I need to make a rule about him. The last article is what really creeped me out, though. It wasn't modern. In fact, it was just a printed photo of an ancient-looking paper. The year printed atop announced that it came from London, 1899. The writing was hardly legible, and the headline told me all I needed to know. London Theatre shuts down amid murder spree as mysterious killer claims forgotten items. Well, there you go, dear patients. This is part one of the I Am A Cinema Usher series. 
Be on the lookout for parts 2, 3, and 4 coming to a nightmare near you very soon. Like I always say in closing, check under your bed, look in your closet, and sleep with the light on. The life you save may very well be your own. Good night, everyone.